featuring me, John Stabler, and Alan Stroud. Hello, John. This episode, we're fortunate enough to be joined by Julian Gollop, who's going to talk about his latest game and Kickstarter campaign that will hopefully make it happen. Hello, Julian. Hello. Nice to be here. Thanks very much for giving up your precious time to come and speak to us. Many of our listeners, like us, will remember your early work, but a few may not. So perhaps you could just tell us what games you started out with in the video games industry. Well, my first computer game was actually made for the BBC Model B microcomputer. I didn't have one of these machines myself because it was a very expensive machine at the time, but I did have a friend at school who did have one. And I designed a game called Time Lords, which is a time travel combat game where you, you represented a race and you travelled between five different planets and 15 different time zones trying to make your race conquer the universe. So that was my first design. It was published in 1983 or four. I'm not quite sure exactly, but I certainly the game was made in 1983 while I was just still at school. And then I got my ZX Spectrum. This was immediately after I left school in the summer. So I started programming a game called Nebula, which was actually, uh, you describe it now as a, a 4X game because it was about expanding your empire in the galaxy, exploiting the resources, building up your forces and fighting the enemy. So I guess it was a very early example of a 4X game. After that, I made a game called Rebel Star Raiders, and this was the true precursor to XCOM in a way, because it was a two-player tactical combat game, turn-based combat game, where you controlled a squad of soldiers and you were fighting an enemy squad of soldiers. And it was two-player only, and it didn't have an AI, but the you know the seed was there, the germ was there. So subsequently, after making that, is when I made Chaos, of which Chaos Reborn is the remake. Wow, okay. So I'm kind of talking for a few of us that do kind of know your work and do know the sort of the origins and what have you. And I, I have a colleague at work who is a complete Rebel Star nut, absolutely loves the, <laughs> uh, the Rebel Star games, so much so that he basically he still plays them and he's still very, very wow. uh, sort of looking through the way in which you design them and the, the other bits and pieces and how they sort of fit together and stuff. So yeah, I know he kind of sees you as a bit of a hero, which um, somewhere in the world, <laughs> if, if you can be anyone's hero, it's always good. With Chaos Reborn, though, why did you choose to do this now? Why do you think this is the right time for it? I think the main thing is that, you know, after working at Ubisoft for nearly six years here in Sofia, I really felt the urgent desire to do something more creative and independent again. And the reason I went back to Chaos is because over the years, many times, I wanted to revisit this game. And there have been so many people asking me to do it and so many people asking me if they (laughs) had my permission to make their own remake. It just felt that there was something interesting and some, you know, enduring about the original Chaos that, that made it a bit special. So I went back to play the original Chaos and I tried to figure out what made it compelling, what made it work. So I, I, I thought that it had 
basically a classic sort of turn-based design in a sense it was quick playing enough to be you know fun for you know multiple players and it had enough variety in it from game to game to make it you know pretty much interesting every time you played it so these these were kind of key factors in i think in the original design you alluded to it there but there have been attempts by others to make games like chaos for modern architectures what are you doing with Chaos Reborn to set it apart from the original, the sequel, and the remakes? Well, I think what really sets it apart is is the meta game that's built on top of the core combat system. So the original game was just a wizard combat game, so you control a wizard in an arena, and you had spells randomly allocated, and you had to kill the enemy wizards, and that was it. It was multiplayer, or you could play against AI. So Chaos Reborn, we're going to retain those core elements that it's essentially a wizard combat game at its core, and you fight it in an arena, but we're going to expand it beyond that. So we're going to have a single-player campaign, or actually it's not purely single-player, because there's a co-op element involved as well, which sees you exploring the realms of chaos as a lowly wizard and your your objective is to increase your power and spell knowledge by fighting enemy wizards and discovering new secret artifacts and treasures and gaining new spells uh, and as you're exploring a land each area you enter could generate a sort of a tactical arena combat similar to the original chaos uh, which you're fighting an AI-controlled wizard. And there's a, an RPG system in which you have wizard levels, like a, you know, a normal leveling system in RPG. But the, the main interesting thing that we're adding on to it really is the, the social ranks, of which you have four, at least there are four main ones at the moment. So after you graduate from Apprentice, you can become a wizard lord, which means your character can then act as like an AI-controlled region controller for other players to find and explore when they're doing their realm exploration. And you can configure your wizard with different spells and AI commands so that he... You basically, you've got like an offline mode of play there. And if you do reasonably well at that, you can then progress to becoming a wizard king. That puts you in charge of a realm which other players will explore. But the other thing you can do there is that you've got a set of tools which allow you to create and design your own realms. And you're basically creating a little adventure for, for other players to, to explore. And you're populating it with the enemy wizards, which uh, could be people you know if they're, you know, have a, if they're wizard laws and have their offline wizard settings set up. And, you know, your realms are kind of evaluated by the players that explore them on the basis of how interesting and fun they were, more than anything. So the objective there is to create certainly an interesting challenge for the players and to make sure those who prove themselves worthy are suitably rewarded. And the uh, next level up from that, the Wizard King, is Demigod. This is where you have to pledge your loyalty to one of the gods and you effectively control a guild or, or, or like a, a cult where you can recruit other players to it. And you can organize them and dispense some of the gods' favors amongst the guild members. And then if you do well at this, you can then ultimately become a god. In which case, you are now trying to accumulate followers and through that gain a magical powers in which to convey blessings and favors upon whoever you choose, actually. <laughs> so this has this kind of social system in there, which is the more experimental side of it. There's a lot of focus still on multiplayer and co-op play there. And to make something more of that, to me, seems like an interesting challenge and uh, could make for a, a, an interesting experience beyond just the core battle system. And I hope lots of players will play their roles pretty well in it. It certainly does sound interesting in terms of game within game within game and sort of progressing. I played Chaos, I played Laser Squad, and then 
I had one fateful day going to WH Smith with some friends and we all had sort of about £10 and we went to go and buy a computer game. And some were in cardboard boxes and some were in big cases. And I managed to pick one up that was in a cardboard box before my friend did because he always liked the ones in cardboard boxes and he tried to take it off right. and he, he couldn't, wasn't allowed to and I, you know, I, I paid for it. And that game was Lords of Chaos. Now, oh, yes, yeah. Obviously, mm-hmm. there, is, you know, there was design influence from chaos to lords of chaos much more sort of single player-ish and you know still multiplayer but certainly for me the progression of the wizard the ability to have sort of experience and to to improve him through the levels was really important so what kind of things are going to come in from from lords of chaos will there be anything from that 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 fits into this yeah there is an element from that so i mean lords of chaos uh, it was quite a different game from the original Chaos. It was a lot more ambitious in a way. And it was kind of an RPG game or RPG system at its heart where you can level up your wizard between the different adventures and then you can add to your spell knowledge and then improve your basic stats of your wizard and reproduce multiple scenarios, uh, multiple adventures for your wizard to go on. Although I think at the time we yeah, we only managed to produce five of them, I think, overall in the end. So it was very limited as far as it went. And it was a much better single-player experience than a multiplayer experience because uh, there's an awful lot to manage. Though. Each of the scenarios in, in Laws of Chaos could take you, well, a long time to play, more than an hour, two hours, something more even for the Atari ST version. <laughs> but there were some interesting elements in Laws of Chaos, and particularly the idea of your wizard building up his spell knowledge and using equipment in the games. So there are some elements from that, definitely in Chaos Reborn, but the core system is still very much based on the original Chaos. And what we've done is take the role-playing aspects out of the battle part and into the, the metagame part a little bit more. So it keeps the pace of Chaos Reborn pretty fast in terms of you know its general gameplay. So each battle you play in Chaos Reborn will still take 10, 15, 20 minutes mm. or maybe a bit longer for uh, some of the bigger battles, depending if it's a boss battle or not. So it has these more bite-sized chunks of gameplay within the context of, say, exploring a wider realm or taking part in multiplayer tournaments and so on. Back in 1985, when Chaos came out originally, the video video games industry was a lot younger. So, were there any games that you, you'd played that maybe influenced you making Chaos? And, and the same for Chaos Reborn, I guess. My main influences then were board games. The original Chaos was actually based on the board game which I made a couple of years earlier. It was a board game that used cards for your spells for everything, actually. So the wizards were cards, and the creatures you summon of cards, and you then place them on this grid drawn on a large piece of paper. And so it had its origins were really very board gamey, and there wasn't anything in terms of computer games that they were really influencing chaos, apart from maybe slightly on the graphical side. I remember playing Manic Miner quite a lot, for example, and being impressed by the different animations and glowy effects in that. And I resolved to have everything in chaos totally animated. While I was working on Chaos, there were some very impressive games coming out for Spectrum, um, several which impressed me in terms of what could be achieved on Spectrum. Mike Singleton's Lords of Midnight, which was just a massive war game come adventure quest compressed into a tiny 48k Spectrum, was really impressive and had this you know, amazing first-person view where you could see the you know, scenery disappearing to the horizon. Quite revolutionary in its time. And... You know, I think some of the early adventure games also were interesting to me, like um, it was Lord of the Rings game, which tried to pass uh, English sentences <laughs> as best it could, and it didn't always work, but <laughs> it was interesting nonetheless. Uh, later on, there was, there was War of Middle-Earth, which obviously which had some of the, 
the, the sort of the movement and the, the, the sort of board gamey turn and and you know what have you and, and other bits and pieces. But yeah, no, I, I always remember the Hobbit playing the Hobbit as an adventure yeah, game. That's right. Yeah, it was the Hobbit. Yeah, uh, getting that's stuck that's with the elf in Mirkwood and you could never work out what on earth the elf wanted. It was so strange. Uh, you go around in circles. Yes. Yeah, yeah, um, but, yeah so. it could drive you crazy. Yeah. So. Going back to Chaos itself and uh, Chaos Reborn, with this idea of taking the, the role-playing element out of the arena and sort of making it a game that you go through as, as things go on, does that mean then that that sort of interactivity with players has got more sort of aspects to it? Do you see some in-game negotiations, some, some diplomacy going on between guilds, between arena battles? And later on, do you think that some of the battles themselves will kind of be weighted? So will there be 2v2 or will there be 2v1 or or so on, you know, how's that going to work? Yeah, co-op battles are certainly a big feature. They take part, uh, you know, the guild tournaments will use these features. Um, you've got multiplayer online rankings as well, so there are different categories of battle there according to the game mode, of which there'll be several. But, the, you know, the single-player campaign, that I, well, I said it was single-player, but actually, in a way, it's, it's much more of a co-op enterprise because although you're exploring these realms you can share the knowledge or experience of those realms with your other guild members and you can inform them what they can find in different places and can help them in their optimal route through the realm this knowledge can be quite powerful especially if you're trying to collect these sets of equipment because each wizard is equipped with a staff it's got a robe and a hat it doesn't have to be a robe and a hat it could be a helmet or it could be some armor and these pieces of equipment have magical powers and they work in conjunction with particular spells very well. So, and they come in sets of three. So collecting a set of three gives, unlocks a special power when you're equipped with all three in a set. So locating um, these bits of equipment is important. And then you can actually trade and exchange these items of equipment with uh, other members of your guild as well. So there's a, slight, there's a trading aspect going on there. And there are other special magical artifacts as well, which can help within realms. Like if you buy a realm map, for example, inside a realm with your stash of gold, you can actually sell that map or, or donate it, if you wish, to, to other players in your guild. So there are lots of interactions with these artifacts and equipment outside of the even just the realm exploration and, and the battles that allow players to interact with each other with the objective of you know, improving their own power and knowledge, but also helping their guild members and gain guild rankings is also important. A fellow co-host of the podcast uh, asked me to query you on your approach to design, and he was inquiring about balance. I mean, is it something that you experiment with until it's right, or do you have a kind of theory or instinct when you're designing the rules? These days I use spreadsheets, and I try and come up with formula to calculate how to balance the attributes of creatures and spells. I then test those formulas in practice. And obviously the advantage of having an online game is that we can collect data from players as well to see what spells they're favouring, what they're not, and you know which spells are, tend to be more effective and which spells don't. So again, that can be used to validate or negate some of my uh, formulas that I'm using in order to refine them. So it's kind of quite an involved process. With regard to the spells and the, the creatures that we've encountered before in Chaos and Lords of Chaos, are there any particular favourites? We've obviously got a few because we've played the game quite a lot when we yes. were younger and we've probably got a pop chart list that we can say, Julian, Julian, is this going to be back? Is this going to be back? Are there any particular favourites for you? I, I guess the gooey blob is still my favourite one because it spreads and engulfs enemies and it's just it's the essence of chaos really I guess <laughs> it's something you can't control but has 
power, but it's unpredictable. So, you know, it's very cool. And I, I like Magic Wood and the Shadow Wood as well. Those, again, someone introduced. And out of the creatures, it's a bit more difficult to say which ones stand out. Well, the dragons were, were really cool because mm. they could fly, they could breathe fire, and they were tough. But then the vampire, of course, used to instill fear in other players. So that was very cool because not only was it undead, making it very difficult to kill, but it could fly as well. I just liked some of your very simple mechanics like magical weapons against undead. And I mean, that's sort of been copied many, many times by other people. But uh, it was a very simple, elegant formula to set that immediately and obviously gave the wizard an advantage in personal combat, which is, was particularly useful. John, we've got a couple of your favourites listed here. Do you want to run them through? i got to agree with the gooey blob, and I've been playing the prototype quite a bit. And I kind of like, well, I was laughing about this with my brother when we were playing it the other night. When, when it's actually got a player and, and you get to the turn where it does some damage, it, it sounds like it's spanking the player, which I thought was... <laughs> which I hope you leave in, to be honest. I know it might be placeholder, but... Yeah, it's just the way it kind of jumps up. So, um, yeah, and the one that um, I, my favorite from Chaos was Magic Fire because it used to be, yeah, it used to be pretty prolific sometimes and it could really take over the game board. Will, will that be making a return, do you think? Absolutely. I just love Subversion. I, I thought Subversion <laughs> yeah. was awesome because you, you know, you played, um, certainly when I played Lords of Chaos, you played through and you could either play the sort of big creature game and sort of summon lots of stuff or you go in with a really high level of Subversion find out where he is straight away, get straight over there and, and nick his best creature. There's nothing better, I think, than when somebody gets in range of you and they think they're going to toast you and then you just subvert their dragon and get uh, guaranteed game changer. We could sit here all night, couldn't we, John? To, yeah. to be fair, Julian, you are kind of making a, one of our 100 list to cross off because, you know, <laughs> sitting here, spending tonight talking Chaos and Lords of Chaos and, and Laser Squad and Chaos Reborn, with you tonight is just awesome. One of the ones I, I was interested in was the disbelieve spell, um, because it's quite an important mechanic in chaos. You know, how did you come up with the idea for that? Because if if you just describe it to someone, you know, I think they probably think that well, that sounds like something that could potentially really unbalance a game, but it doesn't actually turn out that way, does it? No, it doesn't. How how did I think about it in the original chaos? Well, I, I think I when I was translating my original board game. I wanted to add something which uh, was something a bit more unique that you could only really do on the computer. And this was like this idea of hidden information. You know, whereas in the original board game, you rolled a dice to see whether you summoned a creature. Uh, and in a computer game, of course, you don't see the dice roll, so you can sort of hide it. And I just had this idea about this um, bluff and deception mechanic with the illusions and uh, disbelieve. And I thought it would spice up the gameplay a bit. But actually, it does spice it up quite a lot because it can be quite critical. Certainly with experienced players, when you're playing and now with the, the new Chaos Reborn, using illusions can be part of several strategies which are you know, you're trying to achieve higher objectives. I mean, you could use illusions to try and force the um, balance of the cosmos towards law or, or chaos quickly, which I've done successfully in quite a few games. And uh, not being too worried that some of your creatures might be disbelieved. You just want to get your gold dragon or your, your red dragon out ultimately mm. and there is this idea of how much people are prepared to bluff i mean is, is the people is the your opponent a bit of a bluffer reason and how desperate is he you know what's his you know what's his risk level like so i think having a you know a psychological element in the in a gameplay adds another another dimension to it i think the different strategy levels are obviously are going to and the different strategies employed are going to be 
sort of marvelous to to behold because certainly with with the previous work that you've done i mean i used to replay moonbase assault so often <laughs> i replayed and replayed moonbase assault because it was just so varied you know and, and the fact that you had two teams who were roughly equally proportioned and you could kind of play it as a multiplayer so you know someone else would play the turns uh, for the other side you just try and work out different strategies to take the same compound in different ways uh, it was just you know the variety there you yeah. know, always amazes me in terms of the way in which that works i think that's yeah. probably a strength of the way in which you design games yeah, it's, it's what I want as well in terms of what I want to play. I want to have, um, and it's what makes strategy games very good in general, is that there's more than one way to, to play it. And in fact, there's probably more than one optimal way to play it as well. So the ability to explore and experiment with different ways of doing stuff is you know, one of my, my main uh, objectives for, for design. With Chaos, and I found exactly the same with Chaos Reborn, you know, it's good to know that all hope's not lost and, and the right spell can turn the tables in a game. But at the same time, you do want to feel that your skill can and will win the day. So how do you strike that balance between you know, player skill and that random chance element which so often leads to drama? I think there's a, an interesting skill level also associated with situations where you've got randomness and it's about being able to assess risk and being able to assess you know, what your opponent is prepared to do. So typically I found in Chaos Reborn that you know, newbie players are quite happy just to rush their wizard towards the nearest enemy wizard and try and deal death blows with uh, you know, magic bolts or whatever. And which sometimes can work, of course, because you know, that random element, you, you might be unlucky enough not to be able to fend it off. But you soon discover that as a general strategy, it's not so good. So over the course of multiple games, a superior strategy would tend to win out over time. And this is because these strategies and tactics are not actually immediately obvious when you're a beginner player it kind of makes the the skill element even more interesting you know trying to factor in the probabilities is is in itself an interesting skill but there does need to be a balance i'm not convinced we got it entirely correct in the case reborn by any means but we will be you know tweaking it and experimenting with it and see what we can do to make that balance right because certainly the original chaos and also the current prototype we've got they're there is a higher level of randomness in the game, but every decision you make is kind of meaningful. There's generally a better thing to do and a worse thing to do. It's not always obvious what it is, and that's you know part of the skill of the game trying to work it out, is how do I avoid risk when it's beneficial for me to do so, and you know, when do I need to take the risk when I really need to do it? So the, these are all, I think, really interesting, what makes you know, the, the game quite interesting. I think we certainly found through the development process that um, we've been on in the last year or so with Elite Dangerous that the backing community often can be your best source in terms of uh, tweaking and uh, you know and sort of the little tiny things that maybe sometimes yeah. you know someone hasn't thought of. Do you have any thoughts about what you're going to do with your backers in terms of the uh, uh, the development period? Well, I'd like them to be closely involved with testing, giving feedback and you know, contributing ideas, you know, because I think this is a very powerful process if, if, you, if you do it correctly. And, and to some extent, I've done it before with uh, Laser Squad Nemesis, which I made back in 2002, where we were selling a game directly to uh, a community of players who were then doing all kinds of wonderful stuff, like they're coming up with their own tournaments, their own rules for competitions, and, you know, they were creating maps and, you know, lots of creative stuff coming out of it which can be really interesting. So I hope we get some of that two-way process going with, with the players you know, as soon as possible after the Kickstarter and when we produce our you know, first uh, alpha version proper after the prototype. 
you know, we'll, we'll be getting people involved in it for sure. And a bit of a geeky question, but I'm hoping for, <laughs> I, I think there might be a bit more to it. Uh, what, what made you choose like the percent chance of a successful attack? Why did you use that as opposed to like a health pool for, for the wizards and creatures? Well, again, I guess it goes a little bit back to its board game origins, where I was trying to do something which is very simple. But in analysing it, what makes it interesting is that you have this kind of binary outcome. Either you kill the creature or you, you don't. And it means that it's it's a bit more dramatic. The outcome of each attack has quite a bit at stake, basically. So there's always uh, that element of tension and drama with almost every attack you make in Chaos Reborn. Once you start introducing hit points, it becomes a bit more like a war of attrition. You're just trying mm. to wear down the enemy and it, it just feels a bit um, less dramatic and less interesting for each time you do an attack. So, I mean, it's kind of extreme the way it's done in, in Chaos Reborn. I don't, it couldn't be any more extreme, I guess, in a way. You know, that you, you either have 100% success or, or 0% success in each attack. <laughs> you know, so there's no half measures, if you like. So I think as to the drama and excitement of the game, it keeps the game pretty fast-paced. And it also means that things can change around relatively quickly. You can't totally rely on anything to help save you and you can't totally rely on anything to win so you you have to keep trying right up to the end of the game basically yeah it just has an interesting excitement factor to it i think so once you get into a attrition based scenario yeah sometimes that can be okay you know one or two times and if you've set up a block you know and and obviously you're you're trying to block and stifle uh, an individual in one particular area while you attack in another i mean that's perfectly fine but you don't want everything to sort of wear down into sort of an attrition-based continual, continual, continual. You need it to be move and be yeah. dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. You're building the game using Unity, which is a cross-platform development tool. I mean, I still play Chaos on Android. How likely is it we're going to see Chaos Reborn on mobile devices? I think there's a good probability that it will get to mobile devices eventually. I mean, I'd like it to be as soon as possible, of course, but I mean, it's still quite a lot of effort producing, doing cross-platform development, even though we're using Unity because you have to be a bit more specific about how the UI is designed and you know there's, there's differences in the, the art assets and stuff that we use. I mean, Unity tries to make things relatively smooth and easy for doing this, and it's a, a fantastic tool. So I think it will help us speed that process along considerably. It's difficult to say how soon we're going to see it. Again, it depends on, on our fundraising efforts. And uh, I mean, we'll continue fundraising after the Kickstarter campaign has been successful. Of course, we'll probably be using the Steam Early Access, for example. So we'll see how it goes. But it's after Windows, Mac, Linux versions, you know, Android, iOS versions are, you know, the highest priority for me. Tell us about the Kickstarter. How's it going? Well, it started off fantastically. I mean, we got a, a really big rush at the beginning. And then it sort of like levels off. But we're on a sort of steady slope. But we, we need a bit of a kick towards the end for sure. <laughs> the Kickstarter needs to kick. I guess it's quite common with lots of Kickstarter campaigns. Mm-hmm. But it's, the really difficult thing is, is getting awareness for um, you know, players out there because there's, there's so much stuff that people are exposed to day in and day out that it, it can be difficult to, to get noticed. And one thing we are going to do very shortly is, is make the, the prototype that uh, you've been playing, that backers have been playing for at least a few days now, publicly available so that you know anybody who wants can actually try it. And if they can like the gameplay, they can go straight to the Kickstarter page and, and back it. So this is our, our next uh, 
strategy and we will see what happens and so i'm working on to, you know uh, today and yesterday is trying to uh, fix any last minute glitches on the on the server and the client so that it so that it works but the, the fact we've got a very fun albeit limited multiplayer demo i i think is very valuable because I, I think it does show the potential of the game just from the few features that we've got implemented at the moment i expect john will agree with me here if there's anything you need in terms of content or anything else to you know for pledge rewards do just let us know if there's anything there that you want um we are more than happy to put together a little pack or anything else that um that people may want you promise some mythologies and other bits and pieces that um you know be there but um you know, if you want to add anything and that'd be great i'll, I'll definitely have to think about that because it would be would be very useful to try and offer something a bit more special for for backers that would be valuable for them and you know, make it make their uh, reward level stand out so yeah absolutely it's definitely worth thinking about happy to so can you give us like a, a bit of a summary of, of what the backers can get if they pledge for the game at the basic level $20 level you, you'll get the the full game and you'll get early access to it so you'll be able to test uh, playable versions and you'll also get a very nice game guide and art book uh, with uh, you know stuff about the game about the background and mythology which maybe you guys can contribute to as well we'll get around to that um <laughs> and feature artwork from the game and and we'll get the the You'll be able to have the the music tracks as well. These are all downloadable stuff. And next level up, you you get the the Forge Master level, which allows you to create your own personalised set of equipment. Although there'll be lots of equipment in the game, and it's all sort of procedurally generated, but you've got access to a little editor which allows you to create your your personalised set, which you can name and you can define its characteristics and how it looks and so on. Next level is Wizard Lord. So this game gives you access to this mode where you can um, deploy your wizard in realms for other players to encounter you also get a special wizard aura and uh, some special animations and taunts as well we'll be going in with that unique for backers at the level and the next um, level up from that is wizard king and um, you know as backer at wizard king you'll get a divine wizard aura you'll be able to create realms and you'll have even more special taunts and barks and animations for your character and the next level up from that is Demigod, which is a $250 level where you will start immediately as a, a guild master and be able to recruit players if you wish to do that. And you'll be able to create realms with some more divine elements in them. And finally, you can be a god if you wish to shell out $1,000. And for this one, we will actually be producing your uh, god image avatar, which will be used on uh, in the game, particularly in shrines, which can be found in the realms. And you will be able to attract followers and spend your worship points on blessings and other uh, interesting things that you can do to to shape the, shape the realms and if you're really feeling generous you can be a supreme benefactor for five thousand dollars in which case you may attend our launch party and um, talk with all the guys who worked on the project uh, and that's it that's the highest level so there's there's quite a lot of stuff there if Chaos Reborn is successfully funded, uh, what do you see in its future? Is there going to be further expansions, perhaps, or you know, bringing back new, newer old spells that weren't included yet? Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's a very expandable system. So yeah, um, adding new spells is is the obvious one, and it's quite a big part of the work involved in in the game in the first place because each spell has 
pretty unique effects. It requires AI developed from it and you know, its own graphics and special effects also. So um, gradually adding new spells is a very obvious way to, to improve the game. We're going to add new artifacts and equipment, of course, and mm-hmm. we're going to add new features to maybe different realm types and environment types in, in the realms, which will be so very cool. Well, really, the sky's the limit. I mean, as long as players are interested in the game and are playing it, then we can expand the universe that the, the game is, is set in and populate it with just more and more interesting stuff from talking to you about it and, and obviously from uh, the bits and pieces and the way in which it's structured, you know, the board element, obviously it, it still has a sort of very strong connection in terms of the sort of mechanics of board games. Yeah. And similarly with the role playing element, I, I always had this image of the wizard alone and, and sort of everything around him and forging a story through the way in which things work. Do you see the role playing element as, as going further than that? I mean, obviously what we alluded to earlier about, the whole idea of the the guild structure and the way in which you yeah. you, know, you progress upwards, and the diplomacy and negotiation and the other things would players spend time then talking to each other across these things as if they're almost like mini nations. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the intention. That's the way I'd like it to develop. So that there, you know, this this role playing element is. I mean, it's almost making it like a massively multiplayer online game, except, you know, you've got the different components in the game and the players are are organized in these guilds, which themselves are social. They've they've obviously got some competition between them. But then, of course, the guilds themselves are pledge loyalty to gods. So then there's competition between the gods. And what would be really nice is for players to define their own personality and for, for guilds to have their own particular rules and, and ways of doing things and their own little strategies that they might use in battle and for the gods themselves to have different personalities that uh, i hope the players will fulfill the roles that they develop for themselves and it, it could be very interesting so yeah i really like that uh, role-playing element to come out was there anything else you wanted to say about the kickstarter in particular well, please visit the Kickstarter page and back us if you can. <laughs> but also, I mean, as soon as we release the, the public demo, I mean, uh, give it a try because you might find you really enjoy it and um, you want to back the project. And I, I think that's going to be the first port of call, really, for uh, what I recommend a lot of people is, you know, play the game. I, I know already that John's been playing over the weekend and you apparently you completely spanked him. Uh, yeah, I've not I've not had a chance to play yet because my laptop died just before the weekend. It's now just been rebuilt tonight, so I will be on there probably tomorrow. Right. Um, so at the moment, my record is unblemished. No one's beaten me yet, but you know we we can't claim that I'm going to do very well because uh, you wrote it. So I'm sure you you know these skills very very well. But I'm I'm certainly not going to fall for the undead issue, John. Um, I will take a magic weapon or something that I can use. Oh, well, you know, I, I, and the thing is, is, at the moment, obviously, there's no stats page, so you know, I can't really compare like a kill death ratio with you. But I'm I'm pretty happy with mine, whatever it is. <laughs> with the new game, what thing specifically excites you, Julian, about it? One feature, one feature that you thought, yeah, that one, that one really, really gets me. Well, actually, it's a tough choice between the procedural generation systems for the realms which are going to be really interesting. And uh, the social rank system, which I think is going to be really interesting as well, which allows players to, to play the game in a different way. So I can't really point to exactly one thing that makes me really excited. I have to say, I mean, in terms of you know our existing audience who, who are going off to play Elite in the late part of 2014, the idea of procedural generation in a game where 
you're a wizard who can explore multiple realms off into yeah. you know, ad infinitum. That's just, oh, it's lovely. And, you know, and certainly I think our, mm-hmm. our, our listeners will certainly be very, very interested in that, that idea of exploration about it, which I think is really cool. Yeah, absolutely, yes. Yeah, so in the original Elite was the um, procedurally generated universe par excellence, of course. <laughs> yeah. We're certainly seeing a parallel and hoping that uh, yeah, there is. Say, that our listeners are going to, to pick that up and hopefully uh, be some of the explorers out there in terms of, uh, of what they choose to do. Okay, well, thanks very much for that, Julian. Uh, I've backed the game, Alan's backed the game, and, and I think everyone on the Leave Radio crew has, and I hope uh, a lot more people do. So thanks very much for your time. Thank you. And hopefully other Lave Radio listeners out there, please do come and join us. We're over at the Chaos Reborn Kickstarter. You can find it on the search and do back it. I mean, just in the process of this, I've shamefully increased my pledge by <laughs> double the amount that I pledged in the first place. So, yeah, please do come and join us. And we're all on the comments page as well. So thank you very much. Two seconds, I'll be right back.